Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. All right, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove, literally just a couple of hours after the game has ended here. Highmark Stadium Sunday Night Football Bills win 14-9 over the New York Giants. Matt, is it a win's a win or... Boy, it was ugly, and I don't know what to do with this. I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think it's a lot easier to have the conversations that we're probably going to have after you win and you know that you're 4-2. and two. It's weird because I think that if they would have lost and you fall to 3-3, three and three, the Quins, the panic is a lot greater. It's a lot higher, obviously. But I'm trying to find the balance between understanding that this is the same team that scored 48 points on this exact same field two weeks ago, and now it was the same team that went three quarters without scoring a point in this game. I don't know where I am. I think the offense is a big concern, but I also think there's something there that can be fixed. I don't exactly know what it is, but I think that you have the pieces and you still got the win. So you're four and two. Don't throw it away. Learn from it. Move on. And then, you know, go start focusing on New England. Yeah, week to week league. We know that. I mean, look what happened earlier today. The Jets beat the Eagles. The Browns beat the 49ers. The Bills escape here with a victory 14 to nine. And really, in large part, because the defense just held them off as long as possible for the offense to make a couple plays. The offense was not making plays other than a couple of turnovers, which were big plays in the game early on. Gabe Davis with the fumble, and then Josh Allen with the interception after the uh, the batted ball up in the air, the, the tip. But uh, the defense held the Giants out of the end zone the entire game, which is obviously great. Yeah, it's obviously great. It should have been a huge day for the defense because you were going against a bunch of backup offensive linemen and you were going against a backup quarterback with Tyrod Taylor and a skill group that's not great. But at the same time, it should have been a huge day for the offense as well. And it wasn't. So give the credit to the defense because the bench, they did not break. They make the play at the end. Also, do we want to go right to the end of the game? Because I'm willing to. Let's do it. Okay. Was it a penalty? Probably. At the same time, you coached football. I would imagine those coaches were telling them clutch, grab, do anything possible to make sure that they do not catch the ball. Because at worst, that penalty is called, and then it's half the distance to the goal for another untimed down. There is no benefit in not holding them. Like You don't get style points here. So Taron was probably doing exactly what he was told to do. Go make a play. If you got to hold and pull, whatever, we live to fight one more play, and then we'll try and stop them there. I was a little surprised they didn't hand it off, but at the same time, they tried that at the end of the first half. It didn't work. So I think they were going to a mismatch size-wise. Darren Waller is a bigger player than Taron Johnson is. 
And that's why you traded for him, because you think that he can make that catch. Now, it was a little overthrown. It was a little too high, probably. I think if that ball is a little bit better thrown, even with the contact, he probably makes the catch. So the, the call surprised me. Like, the play call surprised me. But I know Marcel tweeted about this, too. I don't think in any scenario they're throwing the flag on back-to-back plays. Probably not. He did have a handful of jersey. I would say this. I thought the first one was a little T-Tack, right? I agree. So I agree. The second one might have been more egregious, actually, than the first one. But that gets back to, well, we just gave you that one. We're not yeah. going to give you another one. So maybe there's something to that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think in the moment you're being told in the huddle, do whatever you can. Maybe just clutch and grab. But you're right. I think everybody knows in that situation when you're on defense in this situation, do whatever you can. Tack, tackle the guy if you have to because if you're not, you, if, if you don't, you're going to lose the game. But the Bills did come up with that stop. And with the win at the end of the game, the Giants did, however, drive down the field uh, in that scenario, right? The Giants got the ball. I want to bring up, if I can bring up the um, the game book here and where they, where they got the ball. Uh, I think we have the drive chart there. But that was a long drive by the New York Knicks to be able to get even into that position. Sort of, because they missed the field goals, right? Didn't they? Well, that's true. That's right. That was the that was good field. But it made, let's talk about that decision, by the way. I was surprised. I wouldn't have done it, and I was surprised John McDermott did it. I thought they were going to punt. I would have punted. Punt, put him out of the 10-yard line if you can. Let him drive the length of the field. You kick a field goal. I get it. You Tyler Bass. Now, Tyler Bass has to make that kick. He doesn't. If you do, hey, it's eight points. Even if they score, they got to get the two. You know, we're kicking off to them. But a missed field goal gets you. A missed field goal gets exactly what got, they got, which is the ball right at the 42-yard line. So they get at the 42-yard line after Bass misses the 53-yarder. I disagree. I, I think you kick because I think basically if you kick, you secure the win, and it's not a distance question. It's an accuracy question. 53 yards for Tyler Bass is like another. If you do, but if you miss like he did, you're giving the ball midfield. I know, but maybe you think if you're Sean McDermott, he missed once, he's not going to miss again. It was the first miss he had in the entire season, the uh, first one. So then he misses again. If you're just playing the numbers game, I mean, it's just math. I mean, I think he's made nine kicks and he missed one. You're like, okay, he's 90% on the season. I like the odds at 90%. And then he ultimately ends up missing it. I, it was everything that went wrong to keep the Giants in the game kind of happened because Josh underthrows the ball to Dawson a little bit. I like that decision, by the way. I like, I like the decision, uh, but Dawson has to make the catch. Exactly. It's a little underthrown, but Knox needs to make that catch. He has to, he has to help his quarterback there, and it's a ball that he probably catches 90% of the time. So you have a drop that you guy probably makes 90% of the time. And then you have a kicker who misses when he probably makes it 90% of the time. And then you're giving the ball back. The, the reason I liked going for it is because they have not scored a touchdown yet today. Even giving them good field position, they have started with good field position at other points in this game and still not been able to score. Sean is maybe to a fault always going to count on his defense. Always. Sometimes he's a little bit too confident with the defense thinking that they'll make a play. And man, was it close during this one because they almost lost. But... They made one more play than the Giants did, so give him credit. Yeah, it was a really interesting scenario at the end. Good job by Brian Dable to hold on to his timeouts to even have the situation to do that. How about the Giants also gifting the Bills no points at the end of the first half with the way they botched that situation? That was that was tough on the Giants, obviously, and that could have been easily three points, if not more. That was dumb, and the reaction from Brian after the play made it sound like Tyrod audibled into that. He did. He said that after the game. Brian Dable said after the game, Tyrod audible to a run play, and Brian told him, you can't do that. You have to throw in that situation. Yeah, you have to throw in that situation. So I was thinking, I think there was like 
14 seconds left or nine seconds left or something. I thought they were going to pass the ball twice. And then if that did not work, then you would run it on third down because then, you know, it doesn't matter. You're basically just going for it. So that was surprising. Credit to Josh Reed, who sits next to me in the press box. He said after the Kyrie Lim penalty in the end zone, he goes, it doesn't really matter because you can't run it. They cannot run here. And then, you know, sure as heck they ran it. The Bills make the stop. I mean, that was a huge swing. If they, if they go into the end zone there, they're up 13 nothing, and getting the ball back in the second half, Bills lose this game. I mean, quite frankly, they didn't wake up until the fourth quarter. They only scored 14 points. They lose the game if that happens. But give them credit. They made the stop. I think Shaq Lawson made the stop. I don't remember who did, but it was a great stop, whoever it was. All right, yeah, the Bills did win the game 14-9 to over the New York Giants. So let's talk about how they actually scored those points to win the game. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Josh Allen, a little bit of Josh Allen magic, I guess you'd say, on the uh, Quentin Morris touchdown. That's Josh Allen right there in a nutshell, right? I mean, he's he's in a muddy pocket. He's scrambling around. There's nowhere to throw to. Quentin Morris said that it was a different, there's a different play call, actually, there. I didn't even know he was going to be targeted, but you have to keep yourself alive and available. And Josh just throws a laser into him. Yeah, so we haven't talked about the injury yet either, by the way. We no, we will. Yeah, we should. We should at some point. So Go ahead. Tell everybody what you mean. Okay. So after the game, Josh Allen goes into the x-ray room and he had pictures taken of his throwing shoulder. Now, the pictures came back positive, which is what Sean said. I bet he was in a lot of pain, and I bet this thing- Positive. Like, like good news. Like, right. if they came back negative, nothing. Yeah, yeah, like nothing. It doesn't look Reminded like- me of an episode of The Office. Yeah, early returns, I think, are good for the Bills as far as the injury is concerned. That being said, I would anticipate he's on the injury report this week and probably for several weeks to come. It feels like maybe this is a pain tolerance. Thing. I'm not a doctor. The reason I bring that up for a couple different reasons. With the Quentin Morris throw, it did not look like he had an injury because that was an absolute seed, and there's two or three quarterbacks in the entire NFL who can make that throw, and he did it there, which was a huge play. There was also a melee at the end of the third quarter, and Josh dove into an offensive lineman's shoulder first in that play with the shoulder that he was having available. I don't think that matters for Josh Allen. No, he would have done that anyway. I'm saying, like, I know that's adrenaline at that point, but the injury can't be that. I mean, if you're walking around and you can barely feel your shoulder, I don't think you're running into a bigger person than you, throwing your shoulder at them. So that's another point. And then he also had one incomplete pass in the second half, and that was the play to Knox that probably should have been caught. So the injury happened in the second quarter, and he was actually better after the injury. So I think it's something to monitor, but I also don't think that it's the end of the world. And also really good news, Damian Harris movement, yeah. movement. He's at the hospital, but they got good news back from them. 
he's got full movement in his body. Those scans also came back negative, which is positive for the Bills. So a good sign for Damian Harris. That one is a much more significant thing. So just incredible to see that. And for Josh Allen, obviously, a, a really big factor. Josh Allen, 19 of 30. I'm doing the math here, 63%. There you go. 169, two touchdowns and interception. Not the greatest stat line for Josh Allen. You know, you'd like to see something better, but you're right. Second half was a lot better than the first half. Speaking of the second half being better, they finally started to run the ball a little bit better in the second half. First half was kind of a carryover in a lot of ways from the Jacksonville game, the game in London, which I also don't want to discount a little bit of this. And I'm not here to tell everybody, well, just blame it on the travel. I'm not saying that at all. But I think even you and I talked about how midweek we finally started to feel a little right coming back from London, right? Yeah, I feel like I got hit by a bus. I don't know if that was a combination of London or if it's just that I have a seven-month-old child at home that does not sleep. That's right, probably right. So it's probably a balance of that. I don't know. I think that maybe that has a little bit to do with it. I I think there's a stat out there someone pointed out to me, and I'm not kidding, that teams that play in London that don't take their bye the following week overwhelmingly either are either lose or or are, are losing in the fourth quarter and have are sluggish. I don't know. I was telling again, I don't know if there's anything to quantify it, but I do think it's interesting. My issue with the offense is that Stefan Diggs, after the last game, said he didn't want to use the word lackadaisical, but that's the word that he brought up and then explained how it felt like the Bills were lackadaisical on an offense. And it was the exact same thing coming out of the gate today. And I do not know what's wrong with them because they go, I don't know if they go three and out. Do they go three and out to start the game? Yes. They go three and out to start the game. Then they punt it back, and then they get the ball back, and then they have Allen under center, and he's slinging it all over the place. He hits digs on just like a beautiful 30-yard pass, and then they're moving the ball. He hits Davis, and then eventually the fumble happens, and then that's the turnover on downs. But then after that, they went six plays. So two more possessions where Allen was playing out of shotgun, and they were just abysmal. And, and I don't know enough about football strategy to know why you switch that up as much as you do. I would like to have that conversation with somebody. I don't think Dorsey would probably tell me why, but I want to know why it feels like they are so much better under center than they are in shotgun, but yet they still find the balance there. Like, why don't they do more under center? Because it seems like they're much more comfortable there. When I asked him on the Zoom call Monday, he very much alluded to Josh being more comfortable in shotgun. And he wants to have Josh as comfortable as possible. But you'd think Josh would also know that, like, the stats and the the, the success rate is there. Um, Stefan Dix, 16 targets, Mm -hmm. 11 in the first half alone. I would say, though, in this game, maybe – a little too much looking for him and not others early on. Um, mm-hmm. He was straight up, straight up being double teamed. Yes. And I mean, like they literally had two guys on him. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, Matt, you got to find somebody else open at some point. And it seemed like Josh was still going to him and Hey, he was still making some catches, mm-hmm. but there were times where it felt like somebody else has to step up and make a play. You're right. And they're forcing the ball to Stefan Diggs. But I think that might tell us how they feel about their other options because they are in it to Stefan Diggs. Gabe Davis had, I think, four games in a row with a touchdown. He doesn't have a touchdown today. He has the fumble, a really bad stat line as far as Gabe Davis is concerned. Dawson Knox, I think, had one catch, and then he had the drop at the end of the game. So, 
you know when you're throwing to Diggs, he's going to make the catch. There are very few instances where he makes a mistake, where he drops a ball. So I think that's probably why Josh is force-feeding him so much, but they need to be more creative. They need to be more. Here's a step for you, though. Stefan Diggs set a Bills team record by recording his fourth consecutive game with 100-plus yards receiving. Diggs also becomes just the fifth player in the Super Bowl era with 100-plus yards in five of his team's first six games. Wow. So Stefan Diggs is having an unbelievable start to the season statistically. Not just statistically. I mean, he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. Even when he's doubled, he's probably still a great option for you. But they need to be more creative. Like Trent Shurfield, where is he? Why has he got, I think, three catches on the year, four catches on the year? Credit to where it's due. I think Ken Dorsey needs to do a lot better of a job. But the touchdown from Deontay Hardy was a great play call. That was yeah. That was really well schemed up. I, I, I want to say this, though. I do think losing Dalton Kincaid mattered a lot in this game as they could not go 12 personnel. David Edwards was the eligible lineman. I think almost every play he was checking in. He was the next tight end. He was the second tight end. The Bills could not run their normal 12 personnel like they normally do. And even though they don't give the ball a lot to Dalton Kincaid and we've said, hey, where's Dalton Kincaid? I think having 12 personnel has had a big effect on them with the success of this offense. Without Dalton Kincaid on the field tonight, I do think that hurt the Bills a lot in what they wanted to do. Yeah, I think so too, but should be so, I don't want to say dead set, but you shouldn't be so reliant on one thing because what if you have an injury to him like you did or you have an injury to Dawson Knox? Your offense needs to be able to do different things, and that's one of the areas where they've struggled. So, yeah, 12 personnel, maybe they are a little bit more dynamic. Maybe they are a little bit more prone to make a big play, but today you couldn't really lean on that. Although... Did, was Dawson on the field? Dawson was on the field when Quinn Morris caught the touchdown. So that play was, I, he, I think he was. So that play was in 12 personnel. So they had both of their tight ends on the field in the play, and then look, it ended up being a touchdown. So, yeah, I think it was just an overall really sloppy year for the offense. I think that you can't do this, but you kind of can at the same time. They score 14 points, but it was really 20 because you had two missed field goals. I'm not saying that that's how it is. I'm saying the offense needs to be better. But I think if you see a 20 instead of a 14, you're probably like, okay, yeah, not a great day for the offense for sure. But at the same time, you know, we know what they're capable of because you said it at the beginning of the podcast. Listen, the Bills stunk today for a lot of the game until the fourth quarter. Excuse me. The Bill offense stunk today. The defense was outstanding today. I don't want to put everybody in the same bucket, but because we had this 8 o'clock game, I got to watch a lot of football today, and I watched the 49ers lose to the Browns. I watched Jet beat the Eagles. I watched the Panthers jump out 14-0 against the Dolphins. That ended up in a blowout. I saw a lot of weird football games around the league. It felt like this was a fitting way to end a very weird day around the league, and the Bills still got a win. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it, it does next week. It's not going to matter. No, that's right. I say it every game. I say this. Every game has its own DNA. What you did this week means nothing next week. Whether you win or lose, you blow a team out, you lose a close game. It doesn't matter. No matter what you did tonight means nothing for the next game. All right. Bills win 14 to nine. Very odd score. Boy, that wasn't score. Gami, was it no, to go check on that? It wasn't a scoregami, which would have been cool. I don't know if I've ever covered a scoregami game, to be honest. Oh, that would be nice. Did you see the other night there was a score? There was no scoregami in the um, whichever game it was, but they said the only time it ever happened, it was the uh, maybe the was the Chiefs Broncos game, I think. The only time it ever happened was 96 years to the day. Oh, yeah. And it was the Buffalo Bisons against the New York Yankees football team. Happened here in Buffalo. 
anybody that's amazing. Anybody else stand out to you offensively that you want to specifically shout out before I can? We we probably got to talk about a couple other guys on defense who are really good. Yeah, well, let's um let's wrap up the offense. We'll go to the defense for the last um bit here. James Cook thought played well. Yeah, any any had a nice yards per carry. His total yardage was 71 on 14 carries, 5.1 yards a carry. Thought he finally was hitting the hole a little bit. For some reason, last week didn't go very well, and they didn't start this game. They've kind of shifted more towards Latavius Murray, it seemed like. But then James Cook wound up with more carries than him. 14 for 71, Murray 12 for 45. Mine's Osiris Torrance, because I thought once again that he was kind of a bright – it's the offensive line, right? How do you note it too much from not watching the game back on the offensive line? But I've seen a couple of the clips where on the Quentin Morris touchdown – he held his own and gave Allen that window to step up in the pocket and ultimately hit that throw. So it feels like offensively, Wink Martindale did a lot to, I think, confuse the Bills a little bit today where they thought they were getting pressure, but the, or it, the Bills probably felt like they were getting a lot more pressure than they ultimately were, and they were doing a lot of stuff to guise them. I, I feel like overall, Osiris Torrance, at this point in his career, he's six games in, he certainly does not feel like he's holding it back in any way, shape, or form. He feels like he might be one of the best offensive linemen that they have. So I think that's a really good sign, and I think that that's kind of another thing we'll talk about defensively because this was also a big game for some of the younger guys. Certainly was, and maybe a little uneven for a few. All right, one of those players, Kyrie Lum, got beat badly early on the sidelines. Uh, didn't see him necessarily get porch throughout the game also didn't make a play to say like hey i'm here i'm making a play um i don't know still i think a little concerned about that particular spot to be honest with you. by the way christian benford also got beat on a plate on the sideline very similar on the same sideline but going the other way yes but christian benford also had the play that looks like it might have won them the game before yep. the bills then went three and out and missed the field goal and then gave them the ball back so he broke it up i think just to slayton down the sideline really good coverage from him so i, I thought christian benford was overall good word Sean McDermott used to describe Kyer Elam was resilient, and he said that even though he had a couple bad reps at the beginning of the game, he made a couple nice plays at the end of the game. He specifically talked about the open field tackle that I think he got, which led to a third and one, and then I believe that was a play where Tyron tried to run out and then overthrew it, and then they ultimately ended up having to kick a field goal. I thought on that play it looked like he might be able to jump the route and get the interception. He didn't, but he made the tackle, and he stopped him short. So, yeah, Kyrie was one that I think was a little bit up and down. Two guys, though, for sure, that we got to talk about, Taron Johnson and Dorian Williams, because I think both of those guys had very strong outings today. Well, let you go ahead on Williams, because there are some things that I am concerned about still. Okay, so what are the things you're concerned about? Well, I still think, just like last week, Dorian Williams, and this come, this will come with reps. He's going to be good. I don't want to say this will come with reps, but he's so – Sometimes he tries, he diagnoses so quickly, he gets there. He's, he, yeah, he did the game doesn't slow down. Those two big runs that Barkley had, I think, were almost right at him. Yeah. Where and he and he didn't take the right angle. And again, this is think he's gonna get this with reps, but that's what concerns me about him. By the way, toward the end of the game, he came out, they put Saran Neal, and I think it was more because they knew the Giants were gonna throw. They wanted they only had one linebacker on the field. He was a bit hobbled after the game. I talked to him, he's still be fine. That's what I'm concerned about with him. Otherwise, I love his energy. I love his instincts. I love how he flies in the football. To me, it's the instincts. To me, it's that he knows where he needs to be. And I would rather have somebody who you got to pull back a little bit than somebody who you got to try and get there and say, like, okay, we need you to do this. We need you to react faster. I certainly do not think reacting fast is an issue for him. Super rangy. I don't think that he hurts you in the passing game. I think that he's still obviously got room to improve. 
in the run game, and that's specifically mentioned with those two long ones to Sam Barkley. But I like him for, I think this was his first career start, right? It would have had to have been. Dorian Williams, that's right. So it was his first career start, and I thought that I noticed him for the right reasons. And then Taron Johnson, I think Taron Johnson finished the game with like 15 tackles or something. I got that right here. I'll take a look at it. What'd you like about him? Well, I mean, he's Taron Johnson. He's Taron Johnson. He can do a little bit of everything. I mean, obviously, he's got 15 tackles. He's all over the field. Like we already talked about, the last play of the game, the fact that they trust Taron to go against Darren Waller, who is their number one target, I think speaks volumes to what they think about Taron Johnson. And then just after the game, we listened to Micah Hyde, we listened to Jordan Poyer, and they're like, Taron Johnson made the play. Like, they, we needed a big play. And Taron Johnson was the one who did it, and I'm very happy for him. Keep in mind, this is a guy who looks like he was very injured last week in London and then came back a couple plays later. He means so much to this team. So I just think Taron Johnson, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. That's 15 tackles, three guys with double-digit total tackles. Taron Johnson, Terrell Bernard, and Dorian Williams. And Terrell Bernard had three tackles for loss, by the way, as well. Terrell Bernard might be pretty good. I mean, we might be on the verge of it's still early, it's six games. I know we've had different concerns about Terrell Bernard. First, it was the pass. Then it was the well, – it was never really the pass. It was mostly just how he would do in run coverage. And I feel like he's answered that. I feel like he's been pretty good at it. So give him some credit because those are some young players who are leading the way. When you've got 15 for Taron, you've got 12 from Bernard, you've got 10 from Dorian, and then you've got 9 from Christian Benford. I mean, Taron's the most veteran player in that group, and he's what, in his mid-20s? Yeah, and then you have a couple of sacks, by the way, along the way for A.J. Epinesa again, another sack, another ta- another qu- uh, quarterback hurry, Leonard Floyd with another sack Leonard as well. Floyd has six and a half sacks already. Six games. Yeah, and they signed him in the summer, in the summer, like I think it was like May or June. Why was he available? He's awesome. Well, he's been a great addition. And speaking of that, though, on that defensive line, Von Miller, I mean, I don't know what his pitch count was, but whatever it is, they blew past it, or maybe he just didn't have one because he was on the field a lot in that fourth quarter. I didn't notice him though a ton. Right. I mean, I was he was out there, but he wasn't making necessarily the impact. Yeah. But you know, I will say this: the the Giants did a really good job of getting rid of the ball quick. Like they knew they Brian Dable did two different two things here. He rolled the pocket a lot, to make sure Tyrod wasn't standing back there, and those guys were just getting beat off the line. And he made sure that when he was stationary, he could get the ball out quick. Wondell Robinson did a nice job to have a nice day picking up some third downs. I have a, I don't know if this is a hot take. Tell me if this is a hot take. All right. I think the Bills would have won this game a lot easier if Daniel Jones was the quarterback. Probably right. I, I don't know about a lot easier. I thought all week that, that I thought all week Tyrod was a bigger issue for them to handle than Daniel Jones because of his elusiveness. So his elusiveness. His ability to hit deep balls, which we saw when he was back in Buffalo, because he was able to stretch. He could do two things: he could make plays with his legs, he could stretch the field, he could hit deep shots, and he had a couple of them today that were perfectly thrown balls, even with good coverage. One of them beat Benford, one of them beat Elam. So he was able to do that. And the thing that was the most impressive about Tyrod from his time in Buffalo and from his time today, Tyrod does not make mistakes. He does not turn the ball over. He did not throw interceptions. This is a defense that leans into making the big play. And I think if Daniel Jones was back there, you might have got a pick or two. You might have got a fumble. Tyrod had one fumble today, but he recovered it quickly. So there was no big Tyrod mistakes. This to me, kind of, because this game was so ugly. This to me kind of felt like one of those games of tennis where you're just waiting for somebody to make up, make a mistake. Who's going to make the unforced error and just hit it back over the net? 
and hope that that person makes the error. And as long as you're the one who doesn't make the error, you're going to ultimately come out on top. I think the reason the Bills won the game was because in the fourth quarter, Josh kind of went nuts and did what Josh Allen is able to do, and he was the best player on the field. Also interesting, Sean said that. Did you hear that in the press? I did. I wasn't in the – just so our listeners know, I go into the locker room while McDermott's at the podium because we're carrying that live on WGR so I can get the extra sound. That's why I wasn't there. I don't want anybody to think that I just don't go to no, the press so, conference. So Sean basically was asked – well, I, I asked him, how did it happen two weeks in a row of the offense just being bad? And he told me, like, you're not going to like the answer, but – I'm doing a lot with the defense now. I don't get to see every single play, but I can certainly tell you it's not up to the standard and we're better than that. And we know we're better than that and we will be better than that. And then later he was asked about the fourth quarter and he was like, you know, give credit where it's due. They made some adjustments and we needed our best player to be our best player in the challenge. To hear him say, not that it's a surprise, right? But him acknowledging the fact that like this team at times can live and die with Josh Allen. I mean, we said it on the last podcast. And it doesn't look like a great thing to say because they just scored 14 points. But their hopes this year are on their offense. Yeah. It really is. So it's a lot it's a lot that needs to be fixed, but I also think it's something that's capable of being fixed because you have an elite quarterback and an elite wide receiver and an offensive line that I think you're pretty happy about. So I don't know. I mean, I thought this was going to be a get-right game for them. It certainly was not. My fantasy team thought this was going to be a get-right game for them, and it certainly was not. Well, maybe it is next week. The Bills travel to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots, who lost to the Raiders today. So, I mean, that that could be a get-right game. You hope so. They need to they need to put their foot down against the Patriots next week. Will Mac Jones be the starting quarterback for the Patriots next week? I think he will. We I, we might see more of Malik Cunningham, but I did think today the reason why they had Malik Cunningham even playing a little bit was maybe they're ramping him up to start next week against the Bills. Yeah, so I think that that's an interesting thing to follow. And then also, you know, from an injury standpoint, obviously we had the Josh Allen injury today. We had the Damian Harris injury, just hoping that he's okay. That was super scary. And then on the injury report, you had Dane Jackson, who did not play, had Dalton Kincaid, who did not play. I mean, I would think they both practiced. I would guess that they would probably be available next week, but who the heck knows? I'm not a doctor, but I think you would feel better with Dane Jackson and Christian Benford, obviously, than you would with Kyrie Lum. And then, obviously, we talked about Dalton and how he kind of opens things up around the league. Any other surprises around the league? Um, I don't know about, yeah, I mean, Houston's looking good. CJ Stroud looks good. They yeah, beat Houston they beat New Orleans. Legit. Houston looks legit. And Cincinnati might be a little bit back, I guess. I mean, they still didn't have a great game, but 17-13 over the Seattle Seahawks to go to 3-3. Three and three. Well, that's the thing. I mean, they're 3-3. Three and three. They scored 17 points. I mean, look at some of the offenses that you would say are elite in the entire – can you go to the entire schedule for the week? Yes. Because it started with Kansas City on Thursday Night Football. Kansas City scored 19 points. Okay. Then you look at the Ravens. They scored 24 points. You look at the Angle. They scored 17 points. The Jags, I mean, put up 37. The 49ers scored 17. The Eagles scored 14. It, it was a weird week, obviously, Miami. Dolphins, yeah, 42. You know, they gave up a quick 14, as you mentioned. Take a look at the. Standings where this puts the Buffalo Bills four and two, obviously second place in the AFC East behind the Miami Dolls. The Jets are at three, three, the New England Patriots at one and five. Then the Bills right now in the fifth seed in the AFC playoff race. Um, Kansas City would be number one, Miami two, Baltimore and Jacksonville as the division leaders. The Bills would be the next team, the first non division leader in that seed at number five. Well, it was just one of those games you could not let this one slip away. You needed to get a win. 
with their next now five games. They had six games on their schedule coming up that I thought you needed to win a baseline of five. And if you would have let this one slip away, then you didn't give yourself the wiggle room of, you know, dropping a game that maybe you should win or going to Cincinnati and Cincinnati's bad. It's such a weird week to week league that I never feel even as big as the lines are. It, this game was so complex because not only was it a game against an opponent, the giants aren't right. They've got a ton of injuries, but you were going to get somebody jokingly tweeted this. I, I don't know who it, did, it is. I want to give you credit that Brian Dable knows the bills offense better than Ken Dorsey does. And, there is, hey, Dawson Knox did say he knows our system. He knows how to plan for it, and he did that. So I think that this matchup was a little bit tougher than any of us thought it was going to be because Brian Dable is a good coach. Now you know, like besides the thing at the end of the first half, right? And it sounds like he's blaming Tyrod for that, which is honestly surprising that he's just kind of throwing. I don't want to say throwing. He's just answering the question about what happened. Probably just answering the question, but. I don't know. I thought he did a good job today. I mean, he put an elite offense or what we think is an elite offense. He held them scoreless for three quarters. And I think a lot of that is because he knows what the Bills do to make it work so well. And there was a lot of doubling on digs. There was a lot of going that went in down. They looked for digs. And there were also two trips early on that were called. There were the two trips. <laughs> that might have made a difference too early. Called. I mean, because the one was like, Obvious, obvious. So, but you know, we, we can't be the ones that get talking about bad officiating. Certainly not this one. Um, it, it was one of those games where I felt like the Giants. I don't want to say this. I don't want to. I'm getting a little tired and a little loopy here. I feel like the Giants lost the game as much as the Bills won it, but the Bills also had a ton of ways they almost lost the game. Well, doesn't matter how it was. The Bills go to four and two. They win 14 to nine over the New York Giants. All right, go sleep. I'm going to, and I hope you do well. Just yeah. so everybody knows, we're recording this at about 2 a.m. It's 2 a.m. It's, well, it's 1.36 a.m. right now, and um, Mike Robbie is going to put this up as soon as he gets it. We're going to stash it away, and hopefully everybody hears it on Tuesday morning, and they can listen to it on iTunes and Spotify Monday morning. Monday, I keep thinking it's Monday Night Football. Um, and then, of course, you can watch us. We're in here in the booth here, uh, high above the stadium. Not even that high rambling two more one o'clock games the entire season and one of them is next week the next two home games after this are thursday night monday night a lot of prime time home games we're going to be doing this buddy yes and uh the thursday night game and the monday night game you can watch on 7 abc in western new york how's that for a plug ted i love it way way to tease right there all right way to plug way to tease way to listen way to watch thank you very much south sports youtube if you want to watch us as well